the Avengers and the Justice League suck. Yeah, I, I said it. I said it. I'm not talking about the teams historically. I'm not talking about like the whole legacy of the teams. I'm talking about right now, the last few years of their comics. Um, the Justice League don't even have a book right now. And it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter that they're not on the stands. And they've been replaced by the Titans, and they suck too. So we're talking about super teams in comics, and we're talking about what it is that Marvel and DC have to do, have to change, in order to make us care about these teams again. We are fixing the Justice League and the Avengers. We got a plan. We are the super team this week, and we are going to fix the Justice League, the Avengers, and the Titans for Marvel and DC, free of charge. The price of admission to this show, which is Mm. $0.0. And start charging. Maybe. Go ahead, Tyler. No, it seemed like you had words. I who thought you had words. Uh, welcome to Great. the show. Welcome to the show. We've got a lot of fun planned for today. Uh, thank you for joining us live. Thank you for joining us anywhere at any time. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. Let's jump into the topic. I started reading comics essentially with New Avengers. Like when I started reading monthly comics, the first two number ones I got were New Avengers number one. Actually, no, that was the first number one I got. Everything Mm -hmm. else was already ongoing. So that's my baseline for Super Teams. I didn't start reading Justice League until the New 52. There's something that both of those uh, starting points had that I am missing now. And this is what I think the first problem is with both teams. When I started reading both of those, from issue one, there were two important factors. One was character relationships. Mm. And the other was the sort of idea of a of a threat, a, a threat to come, a compelling threat to come, a mystery in the case of New Avengers. And, you know, the formation of this big team and dark side at the end of the road for the Justice League. That's how I got into it. Go ahead. Something to to warrant the existence of the team to feel yes. like a threat. And then it's like, why are you here? We're the Justice League. We're the guys that deal with these things. That, that is, that's not palpable. I mean, you're, you're a Buffy fan, Sean. This is a, the big bad, you know? Yep. Um, and, and, like, we started reading Marvel around the same time. So, like, Marvel had those. And they had it in seasons almost. It almost felt like seasons where you'd have different eras and ages in Marvel mm-hmm. that would lead up to things. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I'm a little less – I mean, for I'm with you again with my Justice League knowledge kind of really stems out of uh, New 52 is reading it as an ongoing. I had read Justice League stories, uh, right. but not as an ongoing. So, yeah. Well, after um, Infinite Crisis, you have um, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. <clears throat> Even before uh, Infinite Crisis, the 
the focus wa- uh, for the Justice League was their relationship. And the reason they break up is, you know, they've all sort of gone hard in separate ways. You know, Batman um, is paranoid with Omac and Wonder Woman has killed Maxwell Lord and Superman is just short of turning his back on everything because he feels like he can't do anything. Um, Post-Infinite Crisis, you know, in in Brad, I think it was Brad, yeah, it was Brad Meltzer's um, JLA. The whole, I want to say first and second issue, are about putting together the team, but focusing on what strength each character has and what they all bring to the table um, in a very compelling sort of discussion between Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Um, that's gone. Like, like you say, the relationships there just aren't. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it's pretty evident, I think especially evident in, um, in Avengers right now. Mm. And, you know, I don't want, like, I'm not, I didn't do this topic so I could crap on the current Avengers book. It just happens to be the case that I think it's not helping the problem, but this problem has been around. I mean, Jason Aaron's run to me had similar issues where it doesn't feel like it's about the characters. Um, it feels like, I think, I think on one of the reviews we did of Avengers, Tyler said, you know, it feels like toys, um, you know, being smashed together, but that, you know, for him, that was used affectionately for me. That's not what I want out of my comics. Um, I want the, the characters to have relationships that seem to matter and matter to the story overall. Um, and we're not getting that. You know, we're not getting characters making decisions that actually impact what happens in the book. You know, relationship relationships impacting what happens. The Justice League don't have a comic. We established that. Uh, they broke up um, because they were all dead uh, during Dark Crisis last year. Right, quote unquote dead. Um, and then when they came out of that, it was like, all right, well, we're going to go our separate ways. And the Titans got elevated. Everything that we have said so far, I think, applies to the Titans. In fact, go ahead. I would argue in the opposite way. There's too much relationship and not enough oncoming threat. Yes. And um, it doesn't feel like it justifies the idea of a super team. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. Yep. And, 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 and what does that mean? If you look at the Avengers... The like the normal Avengers don't focus too much on who's on the team. The normal Avengers is amazingly powerful characters who have the ability to solve their own problems, but they team up for the problems that are too big for them on their own. When you look at the league, stick out Superman, he's front and center, he can solve most of their problems. And so, what has happened? Over the last decade of Marvel and DC Super Team comics, the threats got too big. Mm. Look at the league. They went from who who have who have their bosses been? Lex Luthor was was a was a was a primary antagonist for the league. Okay, that's pretty normal. Perpetua, mm. I don't even know what her powers were. So 
She was an the, entity, really not a power set. Right. Yeah. It, it's just been this constant ramp up of threats that are so large that you can't even invest in them because you need to justify the fact that all these characters are so powerful. But then you get to the point where it's like, okay, well, who cares? Who cares anymore? Aaron's Avengers did the same thing. You know, it, it the end of it became Mephisto destroying the multiverse. You right. Know? Um, hmm. No, yeah, that's, that's, they, a, that's a weird kind of... They're both doing the same thing, yeah. They both have done Power the creep. exact same thing. Yeah. And the, yeah. the people on the teams have gotten exponentially more powerful as well. Because in the Avengers, they had the Phoenix. And they had Ghost Rider, uh, who was the C-list Ghost Rider uh, and became one of the strongest Avengers of all time. Right. So do you... Hmm. So is the, is the trick to depower or, or, or lessen the power of the heroes or make their rogues gallery a little stronger? I think... I think the trick is to make so like a, a good example to answer your question is Hickman's Avengers and Hickman's Avengers. The teams were pretty powerful, but Hickman found really clever ways to either make it so that their power was spread because they were doing different things like in infinity. Yeah. Those, those characters were badass, but some of them were dealing with Thanos, which is really bad. And then some of them were dealing with, a space war with the I, the builders or whatever their names were. So there was a lot going on. And then you had new Avengers where they were trying to stop incursions, which is so, so massive that people probably have problems wrapping their heads around what was happening. But because the relationships between the Illuminati were what was relevant, you could chew on that and understand that the problem they were dealing with was fucking big. Hmm. And similarly, in a great example of um, something similar was the Justice League Unlimited uh, animated series. You know, um, Justice, I think it was the Justice League first set of series ends. I think it's with Brainiac possessing Lex Luthor. Or that could have been the Thanagarian. Anyway, um, and the the point of the Justice League is that, you know, those seven people can't be everywhere. So they enlist everyone, you know, and it it spreads it spreads everything out so that when you get massive threats like Mongol. You can send Superman out, but things are still defended, hmm. you know. And then you have, uh, uh, you can still have a decent set of stories without constantly having to level people up. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a huge problem. It's like a video game. Like if you play Mega Man, right? Every time you beat a boss, you get a new power, which would be the equivalent to like adding a new member, adding someone, giving. A, a member of the league or Avengers additional powers. The problem is that eventually you get to the end of the Mega Man game and then it's over. The Avengers and Justice League don't end. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, which is what we have seen to the point where at the end of Scott Snyder's Justice League run, 
which was the, really the last run we've had that I can recall. I, I just didn't care. Mm-hmm. It was too much. It was way too much. I could not invest myself any longer. And and that's the one that started with like a Legion of Doom, and I was really digging it. Right. You know? Um, right. Because it felt like it was going back to, I guess, basics in a way. <laughs> and then Lex Luthor becomes an alien. And I was like, all right, well, hold on now. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean that the the team shouldn't ever face off against those larger threats because they run the risk of being too powerful at the end of those? I would, I would, I'm going to go back to Bendis' Avengers, you know, um, because they would go against, you know, symbiotes. They had the raft break. They had all these little things. But in the background, like the sentry was an issue, you know, the hood was an issue. And they were all, there were all these B and C plots throughout the issues that would then build up to a big boss battle. You know, the void shows up in Siege, which is like a culmination of all these Avengers stories. So it's not that they shouldn't go up against them. But, like, I think there needs to be more B and C plots throughout that then build up to something big. Uh, I don't think you need to just have your only, only A plot be, be the big bad plot. Oh, I see what you mean. Um, like, like, it has to warrant you getting to that. I think so. That, please. Yeah. But even look at, the, look at that team. That team had Spider-Woman on it and Wolverine. Like, these were, were not the level, most yeah. powerful characters necessarily that existed in Marvel at that time. Uh, the Hulk wasn't on it. You know, they didn't go. And if he was on it, that would be a problem. And most likely, Bendis would have solved that through character. Oh, Bruce doesn't want to go out on these missions because he's afraid of turning into the Hulk. So he'll only help us from behind the scenes. Or the Sentry is on the team, but he's worried about the Void. So he's very particular and specific about what he does. He's Superman strong, but that is not available to them all the time. It's that kind of thing. Hmm. It's somehow finding ways to make it so that the team can't just run over every problem. And then you have to, because the villain always has to be more powerful. That's kind of just how it works. Or they have to have some kind of scheme that's going to make it so that the the power level of the team uh, doesn't matter as much in this situation. Right. But, but when the heroes are that strong, and there's nothing stopping them, then the villain has to be even greater. Boy, uh, they took Doctor Strange off the board for Civil War. Yeah, right. Thor, Thor was gone. Yep, for right. forever. Yeah, and they had Ragnarok instead. Um, so, uh, M. Perez in the chat. Okay, that's just your normal name now. Okay, um, he mentioned that uh, it was the uh, where was it? I lost. I lost the. Uh, no, it, it was C.W. Gordon who said it. Sorry, who said the last uh, Justice League Dark Run had a great balance of power and character. Um, and I agree. I mean, like when you're dealing with those mystical characters in DC, they're all powerful. Yeah. Dr. Fate, uh, Constantine, Zatanna, uh, Swamp Thing, I guess. Um, they were fi- facing kind of like these things that we're talking about, these like end of the magical world, really. Um, but it was very character, you know, driven. Uh, it wasn't, it, it was character forward, not plot forward, which I feel like a lot of these big team books are too. Like, I couldn't. I can tell you in all of Jason Aaron's Avengers run, I can maybe tell you like th- maybe three intricate character moments between characters um, throughout it because it was so plot heavy. Yeah, absolutely. Like and, and, and plot. And the, go ahead. 
in the current Jed McKay is just fights. <laughs> um, like maybe maybe you can say Sam Sam and, and Black Panther have a thing going on. Not not, not like that, um, but it's really just plot based. It's, it's action based. It's this needs to get to this and needs to get to this, and in the middle of it, we're gonna throw hands. Like and 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 that's so that that in particular was so just like telegraphed that it became frustrating and unenjoyable of a read. And 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 it's not to say that there aren't like there are even current examples of good team stories. I think Birds of Prey is a tremendous example of what we're talking about in the positive direction, where it's like, okay, there's a team of definitely capable heroes, definitely powerful in their own right. This is not the greatest assemblage of powerful heroes on of all time, right? They're, the threat that's been established in that book is bigger than them. But their char- the character work so far is making it so that I, I care whether they live or die. I want to see them succeed. And I know that they're going to have a, a, a problem doing that. I know success is going to be difficult to achieve for them. I don't have any concerns about the success of the Avengers 99% of the time. Current, I just know they're going to win. It doesn't matter how big you make the threat. They're, these guys are insanely powerful, and nothing stands in their way. So is team makeup a big thing to fix these these two teams? I do think team makeup is a big factor. I think one of the things that these teams have been missing is the POV character. Like that's a big that's that's a thing for a superhero big team book since like the the Justice Friends like the Super Friends you know you had you know you had the Wonder Twins they were the younger POV character that you would have in a way you know like in oh. Aaron I mean uh, in Bendis's run Spider Man was kind of like that he he wasn't really young but he was a new Avenger you know so um, I think the closest person to do that was Naomi was that in Snyder's run? And Bendis's was a Bendis's run. Okay. Justice League, yeah. Bendis's CW and Black Adam vehicle. I forgot about that, honestly. He did Justice that League? Bendis had a run. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you anything besides Naomi being in it. Remember the Shazadam fiasco? I don't. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of factors into what is making these books... Uh, feel unnecessary or just not connect. One of the things we have not talked about is how events play a factor. Mm. So when, you know, when I started and everything like that, um, events felt built towards, and it felt like when you were reading the big, the big super team books, you're you were kind of seeing like the seeds being planted for the events that were going to come you know down the line and it felt like wow i feel special or i feel i feel like i'm reading the book that everyone has to be reading like this is you get rewarded for reading new avengers because what's coming next that's big is starting here so everybody else doesn't know why this stuff's happening but i do you know and that felt great yeah and it made those books a destination um nowadays it feels more like those books have to react to whatever the big event is that's coming if there's even any connective tissue at all and to me that's super frustrating like for example titans has beast world coming up 
I believe it's starting in November. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. I'm reading Titans every month. There's no seeds being planted that I know of. D- does anyone know? Am I missing something? Just the big text telling me a Beast World is coming. Or, you know, <laughs> Stay tuned. I mean, yeah, we got introduced okay. to Dr. Hate, who I think is part of the story, but like none of that is known because I read the book. Right. Feel like there was a big something in this last issue, but I can't speak to what it was. I think all it was was Beast Boy, Beast Boy being front and center finally within that story. Right? No, there. Was, I feel like there's a big orange thing. <laughs> I genuinely don't remember what it was. I, I don't. But I to, don't remember. But that's not good point, in and of itself. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. To your point, I think I think the best it's doing is the Beast Boy stuff, but Beast Boy isn't our POV character, so it's not building anything. Shit, who is? Who is our big our POV? I don't even know in that comic. And that's the problem. All Beast Boy wants to do is put out fires in Borneo. And yeah, whine about what it means to be a hero. Right. Stop um, a bank robbery or whatever. Like, <laughs> like Beast Boy was on the Justice League for Snyder's run in space with Starro. Like he knows how to be a hero. Like <laughs> No, this is his first this is his first adventure. Uh, he he they, like the the team all can be those heroes, but they have to be put in the situation. They have to be given that chance, and they haven't been granted that because we have that upcoming event that we need to check off a little on uh, for the box, uh, and then from there maybe it'll spill out into something larger if they've thought that far up ahead. But that would be fine if 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 Beast World is coming up right, and Tom Taylor knows that. Obviously, in my mind, you've had four issues to seed that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's not what's happening. It's like I'm going to tell whatever it is that I want to tell, and then when the mandated event rolls around, we'll just do that. And they and they do feel like mandated events. Look at look at a uh, uh, Avengers versus X Men versus Eternals AXC Judgment Day. Um, we didn't get an Eternals event because they wanted to make an Eternals event. <laughs> Uh, we got an internals event because there were films happening, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's just a lot of, like, there's so little synergy, but there's also enough where it ruins things. <laughs> it's like the it's, synergy in the wrong way. It's not strategic synergy. Like, you could have no, made that not. work if you had, like, you know when the movies are coming out. You have all that lead time. You can sort of plan these things out. So uh, with that foresight, be able to connect it. I think it's fine to be able to try to connect those things, but the issue with AXE was it cut in between a really good run for the sake of well, we need to really tie this in. If um, if that had been done in a in a different way or just left to the Eternals versus bringing in you know the rest of the team, I think it would have been better received because it would have been smaller and more specific to the Eternals, which up until that point, really good run had a lot of fun and there was a lot to to take out of that but they needed to expand beyond the scope of whatever uh beyond the scope of that book because that was going to be of maybe more value to them axc judgment day content actual story notwithstanding because i didn't like that event i actually think that's an example of a better event a a better marvel event it did have some level of build-up i remember them building into it eternals had issues that were specifically dealing with it the villain of that was uh not 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 uranos not 
Thanos's granddad or whatever that was. Um, even though he was teased out in in that Eternals run, I'm talking about what's his name, Druig, I think. Druig. Um, yeah, yeah. Druid. yeah. He yeah. was teased. Him all everything that was that happened in AXE Judgment Day, with the exception of the Celestial itself, the new Celestial, yeah, was yeah. was built towards. Well, even the Celestial was because that's where the the Avengers were headquartered, and like there was like the other one. Yeah, that 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 was the other one. Oh, oh, gotcha. It gotcha. was yeah. um, but, what's but her you. face? Was it Cersei becomes or uh or one of the Eternals becomes a Celestial at the end of it? Who cares? Yeah. I'm talking. I'm just talking about the big one that Iron Man makes yeah. with Sinister oh, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. All, all, all the other stuff, the rivalry between the Eternals and the X Men, all that was built towards fine. I got no problem with that. That to me, that's how you should do events. You build towards something with characters that we care about, a conflict between them, not some shit that just came out of nowhere. A conflict between the characters that puts them at the center of it. And then you want to you want to smash your toys together? Okay, cool. Give me a reason to care. And again, story notwithstanding, I felt like they gave me that reason. Mm. Not like night terrors. No, that shit was out of nowhere. Yep. The dead <laughs> man event. They didn't even show Batman sleeping before the event started. Like, just show me somebody sleeping. I'll accept <laughs> it. Yep. Happened off panel. So one thing I was looking at like Avengers and and Nick B on Discord, you know, gave us a little quiz during the week. It was like, do you do you remember who the Justice League lineup was pre New Fifty Two? And like nobody could really get it right because Kongorilla was on there. But like the idea of like definitive lineups for a run are like in my head. Like I can tell you like Bendis's Mighty Avengers. I can tell you the Illuminati for Hickman's. I can tell you uh, West Coast Avengers. Like they had specific weird lineups for certain things, JLI, you know, whereas now I feel like the Avengers is always going to have Cap, Iron Man, and Thor. And Justice League always has to have Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. It's because they're almost like, I. it's like iconography where it can't really get outside of that and have fun and do news stories. Like, I don't know of an Avengers book that's going to have a D-Man again, you know? Um and I think that takes away from some of it because then you can like – then I can be like, oh, this was my Avengers team, you know? My Avengers team is going to be everyone's Avengers team going forward now. Well, I think it adds a little of nuance because you, yeah. can, you can you can appreciate the the characters who maybe like get the bump up. It's like, oh, that was fun. Like mm -hmm. like they, they can kind of become almost that POV character you were talking about earlier, Tyler, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm on the team. I made it. This is, you know, uh, we're, we're here this is going to be the thing that uh, I can attach myself to because this character is also on the come up. And there's stakes involved, you know, like mm. Jack of hearts can die. Iron Man really can't the, like the justice league died last year. They, they didn't, you know, there, there was no stakes hearts, really yeah. there. Yeah. For half an issue if that, yeah. but Jack of hearts and Iron Man can be on the same team. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. then this, there's stakes involved with, you know, like, oh, I don't like, oh, I know Iron Man's probably safe, but is Jack of Hearts safe? I don't know. But I'm saying, like, Cap, Iron Man, and Thor can be on the team, and Jack of Hearts can be on it and die. Oh, you can get everything you want. Sure, sure. Um, maybe I'm just tired of the same old, same old. Uh, with well, yeah. Though. What, what I, the part that I uh, agree with, uh, Tyler is that it feels like they're not taking risk with cooler teams. Yeah. You know, Dick Grayson Batman led the, uh, the Justice League before uh, the New 52. 
that's pretty cool. You know, they're not, and we've talked about this a couple of times on the on the Pals Pulls review of Titans. They won't let anyone else level up. We can't get a next generation of heroes who are cool because Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman have to have the spotlight. They have to have the Justice League in that spot. Um. Uh, Atomic Hound says, do you think the current themes are to show Titans are inadequate and the Justice League is needed to detect and contain bigger threats? Love seeing the green names in the chat. You guys are phenomenal. Um, Thank you, Atomic Hound. Uh, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think that's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, I yeah. think that Agreed. the whole idea was that this was the Titans level up. And this isn't like, this is the marketing, right? This is what marketing is telling us. They're stepping into the the big spot. Yep. But Tom Taylor doesn't have the same agenda that DC has. And, I mean, I don't think you have to look anywhere but the books to see that. There's just no way that this is what the level up looks like. No way. This is more of the same. And to the point that it's more of the same, they're telling two stories in the DC line right now that have already been told. Amazon's attack. This is the third time that story's been told. Yeah. Beast World happened in uh, Jeff John's Titans. Hmm. Oh, what? Yeah. It's also repeat. It's like it's like volume three or something like. <laughs> oh, and uh, CW Gordon brings up also the <laughs> this Waller nonsense uh, building to some sort of dark villain or villain based Justice League. Like that's also a. a a twist that gets like a page an issue that doesn't progress and is supposed to build. That's the thing that's supposed to be like, Oh, it's building to this thing. And you know, the, the Titans are going to have to fight Amanda Waller. Well, that's the thing. If, if, you know, if the, the Titans book, I've, I've harped on this and I just cannot get over it. If the Titans book had Raven knocking out Trigon on the first page, yeah, and each issue, you know, has them doing something substantially more than what they're doing. And then you've got the Waller tease at the end. You're like, oh, she's coming to cook. She's going to, you know, knock them off their feet. We're not going to know what's going on. But now, right now, it's just like, who cares? Like, all we're waiting for is another event where DC is going to make us spend $10 for a book. Sure. And and one of the other things that like I I guess I prefer and and I'm not one to normally say there should be more comics. Um, I think there's plenty right now, but I I do like when the Avengers and the Justice League have different flavors at the same time. You know, I like when Justice League has Justice League and then Justice League Dark, um, because a different flavors there they can do different things in different separate areas of the universe, but then like you can lead to a cool crossover there. Um, Mighty Avengers, New Avengers. Um, and then also having, you know, a team that maybe is like like a Titans or a, a Champions to complement that with like a younger generation that can maybe, with the idea that maybe they can graduate upwards. I think having that ecosystem is really nice as well, that it's just non-existent. It feels like Avengers and Justice League, well, Justice League doesn't even have a book right now, but I feel like Avengers is exists just because it's Avengers and needs to. But that that vacuum that that um, that space is present now. There, you're right. There is no Justice League yeah. book, 
and they need to fill that void and they're avoiding it. They're, they're not granting them the opportunity knowing the opportunity is right there. Honestly, I, I, I don't know why this Titans team isn't just called the Justice League. Because they're the Titans. The I Superman know, but, the, but I feel like that would also help drive home like, oh, they've, they've, they've leveled up a bit, you know? But then how do you solve the problem of the fact that they're not they're not the Justice League? They're well, literally yeah, the, not. The, the, the comic is boring. Yeah. But no, no, no. Forget that. They're not the Justice League. And then if you call them that, whenever the actual Justice League comes back, these guys will be the pretenders. And eventually their book will be called Titans again. And I think that's a bad look for them. I think all they had to do was just make this feel Justice League level. Yeah. That's it. Yep. And they just haven't done that. Young Justice League? No, they're not young. They're 25. They're not young. Regular adult Justice League? (laughs) The Justice Titans. (laughs) The the Titan Uh, League actually sounds interesting. The tax-paying Titans. There's a a joke in the first volume of Peter David's Young Justice where they're trying to tell them what their name is, and a reporter keeps going, oh, they're young, and Impulse goes, no, we're we're just us. Oh, young justice. <laughs> That's bloody. <laughs> um, it would be the Justice League equivalent of New Avengers. I think that's different. New Avengers had, you know, traditional Avengers members on it. Um, and part of the story was that they were introducing people who were new to the Avengers. Um, and how weird it was that like, oh shit, Spider-Man's here. Oh shit, Wolverine's here. What the hell? Like that was a part of the story. Um, to me, and, and again, I had no context at the time, but they didn't feel like the B-list team. They just felt like the new weird formation because some people were off the board. Mm. Um, we've talked a lot about the problems. Let's talk about the solutions. What is it that we think Marvel and DC can do to bring back interest uh, to these two teams and, and and make them, you know, relevant of their name again, because I think they can do it. I don't think it's that impossible. I'm going to have a boring answer. Marketing. <laughs> like, put money towards, like, announcing this. Like, I, I harp on those silhouette marketing campaigns that Marvel used to do to to kind of release their team lineups or stuff. But, like, that stuff got me hyped, you know? Like, like once a week you get a silhouette and they'd reveal, you know, that you get it on Monday and they would tell you who it was on Friday. Um, and then you have a team at the end and then it's a big deal. It's like, oh, this is a really cool team. I think the last time Marvel did it was for Savage Avengers. Um, like a year right. or two ago. And you know what? Maybe read the book. I probably would not have read that book otherwise, but because they slowly drip fed me the team lineup, I was interested in it. Um, and actually it was a pretty decent book too. What? That 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 sort of feels like a longer term solution once the books warrant their existence, because um, I feel like the yo word classy DC call me up um, the the quality right now of the individual books are I feel like the the issue they they're they're weak they they don't draw people in like you could do that marketing. But once you get people out the door and it's like, oh, what's going on here? This is, I don't understand, or this isn't warranted, whatever it might be. 
I think that's the part that probably gets need to get solved first is how do you make the books feel like a unified front um and from McKay's end you know how do you get them to actually interact together versus separating them and having to figure out their own issues um and then on the let's say the Titans end uh, or even the Justice League uh, get them back in play make them feel relevant or at the very least distinguish them from the from Titans because Again, that marketing has told us that they're on the come up, but it doesn't yet feel that way. So I think you need to actually address what you want these individual characters and individual teams to do longer term so that you know how to address them and how to play with them in their sandbox in the short term. I agree with uh, Amin Perez. I'd love to see another breakout or origin. Something massive happens to force his heroes to join. And then you have your lineup after a few issues. This we are the Justice League because we say so is weird. I agree. Um, I I think there are a lot of ways to start a, a, a super team book. I think you know you can do it however you want. But the idea that like these characters are coming together out of a need uh, makes a lot of sense to me. I think it particularly worked during Breakout because of the fact that the Avengers were disassembled, um, and you can get that kind of thing with Justice League. You certainly can't do that with Titans. They're they're a, an established team that constantly works together. Um, at least you couldn't do that now. Like that wouldn't have worked for for now. But you could do that with the league when it when it comes time for that. You absolutely can do that with the league. Um, I think that these teams have to be established alongside a need. Mm. It's not the same as launching a solo title. It's just when you when it's a Spider-Man number one, these are the continuing adventures of Spider-Man. The Avengers and Justice League only exist to stop the biggest threats. It's one-to-one. Big threat, league. One-to-one. It doesn't, in my mind, it doesn't work any other way. Oh, hey, uh, do you guys want to form a team? I was feeling like we should just form a team. Like, uh, Kale, you want to form a team with me? You know, I was a part of a team last week, but I guess this week I can probably, you know, I don't have anything going on. Let's form a team. Yeah. So you don't want you don't want a Just League book that comes together like a podcast. No, I don't. Well, <laughs> hey, listen, I'll have you know we were formed out of a need. That's fair. <laughs> well, there was a call to action, that's for sure. That's right. Pete and I were literally like Captain America and Iron Man yeah. looking at a list of names. <laughs> I'm not even joking. That is exactly what we did in his room. Um yeah, I think I think that that's a part of it, but it's not the whole picture. It's it's not the whole picture, but I think a part of it is, is team need. There has to be a reason, hmm. and they they has to build as well. Like in this, the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. You know, these two books, Justice League and the Avengers, have to be anchors for the line. Yes, they just have to be. You know, um, I think there was a time where that wasn't true, but we're not there anymore. You know, mm. Bendis uh, made that happen in, you know, with his Avengers. And I think it reflected on um, uh, the Justice League as well. And I think, you know, Jeff Johns and and the people who, who came after him have done their best to uh, make those two teams anchors so you have to come at their story with a 
big overarching plot. You know, the fact that there's no ongoing story featuring the Avengers and the Justice League that's going to change the world is, you know, nuts. Yeah. Captain Marvel said, oh, we're not cops in the first issue or whatever. And all they've done is be cops. All they've done <laughs> is react to pro- – I don't understand. That was so weird. Patrol the the best issue was when they were just doing normal Avenger stuff, like Sam was helping a guy and, uh, stuck in an oil tanker, you know? Yeah. yeah. That sounds like putting out fires in Borneo to me. But <laughs> I, just think the, I just think the Avengers should not – there's other heroes to do stuff like that. They should be fighting the big – It's to me – the Avengers and Justice League are event books in the sense that that's not the right, that's not the place to go if you just want to read stories about Cap. That's the place to go if you want to read stories about all of these people together fighting the biggest threats that exist and not necessarily ramping it up to perpetual levels. The Justice League or the the new Avengers fought Magneto. That's he's pretty powerful, but he's not you know, the living tribunal or, 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 you know, whatever. I think that you can find ways to make characters that they would normally fight relevant and effective. The Avengers have a great roster of villains that they can fight against. The justice league have a roster of villains that they can fight against. You can create new villains that they can fight against, but there, there has to be a reason. Do you think in that case, it makes sense to maybe, have like still have the Avengers and Justice League on the stand, but at like a lesser frequency because maybe it warrants having them only as events ramp up as those forces who once individually they can't beat the the villain, then they sort of come together. Marco, you work in marketing. You you should know that Avengers will always be on the stands. <laughs> no, but like, but I'm saying like, like you'll still yeah. have it, but like it just won't be. Maybe instead of it being monthly, it's like. Uh, it's every two months or something like the, the frequency there is smaller to make the book feel a bit more precious and more necessary and relevant when it comes to having an event. Tell better stories. That's all. I think that would be cool. We're never going to see that. Hmm. I mean, one potentially good thing is that the Avengers at least have a new group editor coming in with Will Moss because Brevoort had been the editor of the Avengers line since what? Pre-Bendis? Yeah. So at least hopefully somebody's got some new ideas that that can work going forward. But we probably won't even see the fruits of that labor until maybe summer of next year. But you know what's funny? All the solutions that that any one of us really has has said have all been things that have been done. (laughs) Everything that I have said personally is stuff I've already read. I don't think that a reinvention is required i think it's just doing the things that have proven to work i feel like aaron's run was fan fiction that lasted for years in the sense that it didn't it didn't feel like this these stories were being told to propel marvel forward or to propel the avengers forward or to say something interesting or special about the avengers or anything like that it felt like aaron just really really likes you know Phoenix and Odin and it just it just got so bizarre and I think that there does need to be more editorial oversight to say eh, maybe we don't need that 
I think it has to be highly controlled. I really do. I think it has to be controlled, and I think it has to be tied into, you know, propelling stuff forward. What's the point otherwise? Do you think they should bring back the architects? Oh, like the creative architects? Yeah, yeah, not yes. like a character. Like yes. like an actual almost writer writer's room style structure to yes. these, I guess, uh, tentpole books. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Maybe less less straight white dudes in the in the architects, but I think the the concept of it is good. Civil War happened during that era, and that wasn't even uh, Miller's idea. He's just the one that wrote it. That makes sense to me. These books are too big. There's too much writing on this stuff to just say, okay, Jason Aaron, and not to pick on him, anyone. Okay, go do whatever you want to do. Have a blast. You know, I, I think there's I think there's a lot writing on it. I, th I think their success is paramount. What are, what are the components of a good story for the Justice League and the Avengers? I think it's actually pretty easy. <laughs> it's... It's deep-rooted character relations between members and a big bad that kind of brings them all together and causes contention between them. Um, I guess I'm thinking of like, let's say they beat the big bad, right? Let's say they come out of that. Now you need to continue your, this is Avengers number 23 coming out of whatever. How do you tell a good Avengers story coming out of an event like how do you continue to keep that going in those like lulls I truly don't think that it's any different than any other form of storytelling I think that ensemble storytelling is similar across the board uh mm -hmm. you know if they've if they've beaten the threat okay there's another threat maybe it's time for a refresh all right guys I put my time in I was here to defeat Thanos I accomplished my mission. I got other shit to do. It's like a, I, a manga, Marco, like a beach issue. Like you got I, like a little. I, a just cool... a, I literally just said, like, I advocate for the beach issue. I advocate for the swimsuit issue of Avengers and Justice League. But we, we've, we've done time. that. They are cool. There are cooldown issues that are great issues, even in like Bendis's run, you know? Uh, and sometimes this is necessary because usually those also refresh the teams. I think refreshing yeah. the team between big bads, I agree, Sean, is kind of a big deal as well. Because then you could tell new stories. Which, again, something we've seen 100,000 times. Like, I didn't think of that. You know, I'm not... I, that's just what I've read before. Um, Non-Binary Bomb says, what if they made Avengers Justice League into anthology comics, monthly books with different creative teams to tell the most epic pitches anyone in their creative house has to offer? Um, I think that that could get messy. I mm -hmm. think a, I think like that could work as an offshoot book, but the main title, I think, has to have consistency of voice um, and a a larger, you know, story being told. That's actually being done right now at DC with Brave and the Bold. Like, it is an anthology story with, like, Justice League-level characters just doing their own things with different creative teams in, in smaller chunks. Um, actually, very good book, too. I kind of slept on, but um, I agree. I don't think it could be the the tentpole, because what's it, what's it holding up at that point? Nothing. Mm. Unless... It's designed by an architect who has a a guide for it. You know, I think, like Sean said, especially if you're going to do something like that, it would need to be, you know, uh, very heavy-handed 
editorially so that it's still pushing things forward in a certain direction. Don't we complain about that when we have those things? Always. Dogworth uh, Comics fans, we complain about everything. Uh, uh, complain about what exactly, Marshall? Like about the the need of that uh, of that oversight and the need of the heavy hand on occasion. I I am a big proponent of editorial oversight. Editorial mandates to tell specific stories with no creative input, that is frustrating. But you need someone to oversee the books and make sure that what they're doing ties into the, the needs of the company. You know, if like how how did Jason Aaron's Avengers materially help Marvel overall? It didn't. Like, it felt like it was in it. Yeah. It felt like, hey, uh, Aaron, you're a legendary top tier creator. Do whatever you want to do. Just go for it. And so he decided to make Kazar a Herald of Galactus. Okay. And who's going to remember that in five years? Like, who? I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's unfair, but that's how I feel. Who's going to remember that in five years? The the, the litmus test is whether or not Hasbro comes out with a, an action figure of it in five years. So we'll see. Hasbro. I don't, I don't think that's a litmus test at all. They're going to do it. <laughs> Look at the X-Men books. That needed to, that it needed tighter. It needed to be tighter. Somebody needed to, to pull the reins in on those books. I think editorial oversight is fine. But if the editor's bad, well... Then, then it's bad. Um, yeah, I do want to say, by the way, as we wrap down this conversation, if you guys see any comments that are worth picking out, do so. Uh, hit that like button if you haven't. Smash it. We've got a smash, a themed draft today, a a very appropriate spooky draft today. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Um, and we've got a lot of other fun things coming. So let me see those likes. If you were listening to this on a podcast platform, smash whatever the equivalent smash. of the like button is. We are here to have a good time. You know the drill with this show. Um, I have one more question for you guys. Avengers ends tomorrow, right? DC announces a new Justice League ongoing for next week. The creative teams are who? I mean, I know I, at DC, there's been a, a writer who has proven that he can do big team books, and that's Philip Kennedy Johnson. Mm. You know, like just what he's been doing for the Super Family, I think, is almost needed for the Justice League. So that's who I would want. Um, if I'm also picking – I mean, who said it in the chat? Like, it was Gilmer Eric Smith, Yeah. Um, it's Dan Mora, you know, Dan Mora is the Justice League guy. It, it, like, Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dan Mora is, like, the first draft team book uh, that would be at DC. For Avengers, it's a little tricky, though, because I don't think Marvel really has guy, like, like that, the guys right now at, at Marvel that you can say, all right, these guys are really cutting their teeth on these Marvel books. I mean... I wouldn't mind Zeb Wells. Zeb Wells is doing some pretty impressive work with the ensemble cast of Spider-Man. That's a good point. Um, you know what? We're Fuck it. Ed McGinnis. Zeb Wells and Ed McGinnis on Avengers. That, that would do it for me. Go ahead, Kale. I want Ewing's Immortal Avengers. Ooh. 
Hickman oh, level. Stole mine. Damn it. <laughs> I just, uh, he's done two so far. You know, jury's still out on the long run on Thor. You know, it's shaping up three issues in to be really good, really fun. But, um, you know, give him a little space to cook. And man, I think that would, uh, I think that would kill. Uh, I was thinking um, Zdarsky on Justice League, and then um, Mora on on Art. Like he can he can handle those things. He's handled events. I feel like that that makes sense. Uh, and hard agree with C.W. Gordon. Uh, Pepe Larraz on Avengers. Thank you very much. That was my whole team. It was Damn. Al Ewing and Pepe Larraz on Avengers. Damn, with Marta Gracia on colors. Yeah, how is Pepe Larraz or R.B. Silva not done Avengers yet? Like- Word. I mean, I guess if you get Will Moss was the X Men editor, right? Yeah. No, Jordan no. Jordan White. Oh, Jordan, Jordan White. White. Is, okay. yep. got it. I think Will Moss might have been Spider Man actually. But. Let me present this question quickly. How much do you think the art affects a big run on Avengers and and Justice League and its Great. success? Because like, yeah. so I think it was Marco said Zdarsky, and my immediate thought was. Well, let um, uh, Jorge Jimenez follow him on the Justice League. Oh, mm, I don't know how I feel about right. that. Right, that in in my head, I had that was my exact reaction. <laughs> really, so I I'm think wondering. Jimenez is a great Justice League artist. It would be at least. His art's a little fast and loose for what I feel like is a uh, a. Uh, Justice League book. Like, I think it needs to be tighter with cleaner lines and form. I think he's a good, he's a great artist, but that's a that's a good question, Kale. He, he did uh, do Justice know. League though. That's the thing. He yeah, did bits Snyder's and pieces stuff. with yeah. Uh, Snyder. Yeah, mm. but I guess I guess my 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 point is, what do we remember from that? If you ask me. The spot of the of the writer and artist of Justice League and Avengers should be reserved for the biggest names that the company can offer at that time. Because it's the biggest book the company can offer at that time. Hmm. So, I mean, maybe maybe you would say like, oh, well, is Al Ewing really the biggest writer Marvel has? I think he's in the top three. Hmm. I, I think so. To me, he's yeah, number one as far as like me enjoying his work. But in terms of you know, notoriety and overall opinion, I think he would be in the top three. And then if you're talking about art, you go right to Pepe Larraz. And then on the DC side of things, who's bigger than Dan Mora or Jorge Jimenez? Those are the two biggest, maybe two of the biggest in comics, but you go right to them. And then from a writing standpoint, I think, I think the common opinion would be Joshua Williamson. I like Philip Kennedy Johnson more. I think that's a, that's a more interesting idea, but Joshua Williamson would be the guy. Honestly, bring Williamson to Marvel to do Avengers. Like, I think that could be a breath of fresh air altogether. Well, that's not going to happen. I thought we were talking, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're not cross-pollinating. He's a, he, it's not possible. Is he exclusive? He ain't doing no Marvel work, right? That's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that I think that there's a lot that Marvel and DC can do to fix this problem. To be honest, I think if they listen to this podcast and they took some of the things that we have said to heart, um, things could get better, you know, and I'm sure that they've got ideas, great ideas batting around in their own heads. Um, I hope that the justice league come back with a vengeance. I really do. 
And I hope that whoever they pick after Jed McKay um, knocks it out of the park. But as of right now, the state of super teams, if that's what we're here to talk about, is that it's dire. But I, I don't I don't think that there's any reason to have larger overall concern about where things are going. I think they'll be okay. Yeah, eventually we'll get the right team, you get the right creators, you get the right premise. Like it it's it's bound to circle back. Yeah. So uh like we said, <laughs> Williamson on Justice League, I'm out. Look, I mean, I get that. I'm I'm I it's not even necessarily what I'm looking for, although I wouldn't mind it, I don't think. I like Williamson a lot. Um, but that would be he's the top guy. The fact that he didn't get it after Dark Crisis is mind-boggling. Just because there's no league, yeah. Yeah, but like usually that's trajectory. Like, oh, you're going to rewrite the event. You get to write the follow-up that you're setting up in the event. And he didn't, which was weird. He got to write Night Terrors, though, so. Yay. Time for Kelly Thompson's ascension. It was it was time five years ago too. Like <laughs> when when this when a similar con- conversation came up on our Discord, I threw her name out because yeah. I think Kelly Thompson is ready, and I think Kelly Thompson is proving that on Birds of Prey. Yeah. Granted, I think I I think I'd rather see her Avengers, but point stands. Mm. Yeah, Kelly Thompson's Avengers would be a physical day one purchase for me. And when I brought up Kelly Thompson, somebody said, oh, well, and, and Al Ewing, someone said, oh, well, they've both had they've both had their shots at those books and it wasn't great or it was like it didn't feel like um, didn't feel epic or whatever. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think those were that was years ago for Al Ewing. New event, he, he wrote New Avengers. Um, it was post I think it was post Secret Wars. It wasn't very good at all. It was actually one of my least favorite books that's squirrel girl one right yes yeah um but that was right. a very 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 different time for al ewing there, and there are... it wasn't the main book yeah. if kelly thompson and al ewing knew they were writing the primary avengers or justice league book they'd kill it he also, he had a, also had gerardo sandoval on that book too which was not a match those no. two yeah so I, I i think i think the creators are there they have great creators uh, I think it's just up to the the brass to put these teams together, assemble them with a need, assemble, the and Avengers. they will avenge. Yes, and their justice. Yes, exactly. If you are enjoying the show so far, I have two things to say to you. One, we've got a lot more to come, and two, there are a lot of ways you can show your support. Super chats are open. If you're watching us on YouTube and you want to get a highlighted comment and let us know you're into this, you can join us uh, on the channel membership, which we just launched last week. We're still really excited and, and happy about that. Happy about the people that have chosen to join so far. If you would like to join, uh, it's as simple as hitting the join button on this live video right now or clicking on our channel and doing the same if you're listening to this you know, after. Um, either way, Thank you for your support. Patreon.com slash the comics pals is the absolute best way uh, to help us out. And you get a lot of bang for your buck at that. We're always putting out great content over there. We've got a new paling around that just dropped um, where we did a, a, a unique draft, a very, very special and unique draft that mm. uh, 
we'll we'll leave to you to go see and find out how that was. Needless to say, it was pretty interesting and fun. Yeah, I overshared. Uh, that's yeah, that's pretty... <laughs> that's that's palling around. One of us overshares. Yeah. Well, specifically Tyler, it's barely a palling around feature anymore. It's part of the furniture. <laughs> uh, we have a very very special book club. Two days out. It's on Dang. Monday. You're watching us live. It is on Monday, October 30th. Be there live book club for the long Halloween. We have never talked about this book before in an official capacity. Nor have we talked about it live. Right. Never done a book club live. Well, listen. So we've never done this live. <laughs> <laughs> y'all dressing up? Who y'all dressing up as? I know what I'm doing. I know who I'm coming as. Sean. Are we going to be, can I dress up as Sean? Marco dresses up as Kale. Kale is me and Sean is Marco. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know how, I mean, I, I don't fit the mold. I'm kind of, I, I got to. I worry about yeah. what you would do for Sean. So I don't, well, I don't, okay. I don't I'm not married so. to Willie Goldberg. So I won't be doing that. I, I worry a lot too, Kale. That'd be our last day. Um, <laughs> house production would go in the toilet quick. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's gonna be a lot of fun uh we will do it 6 p.m 7 p.m something like that um so you'll find out officially what time here uh in a few days or in a few a couple of days whatever um so join us for that join our discord server where a lot of conversations are happening all the time spinning out sometimes even into the show so uh you're going to want to be a part of that. I think we have the best community in comics, whether it's true or not, I want to say it. So it's true here. Yeah. Exactly. Marco. Um, There was a, there was a comment we got actually that I just remembered. It was interesting. So I want to read it. I want to read it. Let me see if I can pull it up real fast. Um, Cause it just came in today on YouTube. Yeah. So it says uh, it's by SCA. 8217. It's long. I'm going to try to paraphrase it, but it's really interesting. Comics need to go back to their roots of marketing to children, not oh, to grown adults. It was a bizarre market since the 90s and 2000s where comics moved their focus to grown men with young readership being the afterthought. That was never the goal of the medium to begin with, but trust American corporations to bastardize the medium for profits, milk it dry, and then leave it to die. I don't know if societies go through periods of infantilization, but Western mainstream culture is now highly infantilized and hordes of middle-aged people in Western societies engaging with overindulgence in comics, cartoons, video games, toys is a massive problem. These adults have many options and disposable incomes for a lot of easily consumable media, of which books and comics are probably the most time-consuming and therefore sell the least. Tanking comic book sales is only a symptom of a larger social issue, and it is a big issue. So yeah, he wrote you a manifesto. Jeez. Huh. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this earlier, um, and. I think he calls out one of the things that first came to mind is uh, I don't think it's a fiscal reality to market to kids. Um, they don't, they're not the ones paying for the books. They, they don't have the actual income to support 
comics. And if you're going to focus on the longevity of comics, then I don't think catering to children is going to be the way to do it effectively or efficiently. You need to cater the, to a larger market that actually has expo, uh, expendable income. Those are going to be adults. Well, I mean, middle America is is lo- uh, is lessening uh, child labor laws, so I think they'll have money soon. <laughs> you know what? Maybe, um, but I think the the uh, infantilization that's uh, very much from the words of Alan Moore that uh, I frankly don't agree with, and I I don't think it's that that's what this is because again, Mark uh, comics are not just the superheroics, and it feels like this is bucketing all of that into one category or one genre of comics and saying, well, look at this. This is for kids. And I mean, if that's the case, then any other medium has a similar or has to have a, a similar sort of output than, you know, movies must just be for kids because you're escaping into some sort of fantastical world. Books have to be for kids because you're like, I don't think that logic makes sense. Because then you're denying access across the board and for anybody who picks up a book or for who writes a book. I think it's a very narrow view of comics. Uh, Like, I think, sure, maybe superhero comics might have been, you know, I think of, you know, the the guy in Watchmen reading it on the newsstand. You're reading, you know, Curse of the Black Freighter. Mm. Um, But, like, there's sci-fi comics at the time. There was Western comics at the time. There was genre at the time that appealed to anyone, really. Um, I think it was more of a, not a medium for children but a disposable medium it was kind of low low brow in a way um where you know you get this you know piece of really horrible piece of paper stapled together and you read it you get a little fun out of it and you throw it out um i think that's the real core of it um like we have like comics exist in newspapers comic strips kids aren't reading those really those are more for adults to read as they're going through a newspaper um so i think that's a really narrow view i'm also confused as to why you're watching a comic book YouTube channel at the same time. <laughs> uh, but whatever. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, they, they can be both. You know, Archie exists. You know, those those digest versions of, uh, uh, you know, Miles Morales comics should exist. I mean, Sean, you, you have a, there was like a Miles Morales like picture book you got that was sort of comic booky. Um, those exist. So you can have your cake and eat it too. These corporations have tons of money. They can make more than one for more than one type of people, type, uh, type of person. So That's a great point. I am tired of this perspective. And I say that with respect to the commenter. I appreciate your, your, your opinion and your comment, but um, this is bullshit because what is it? So that men or you know adults in general aren't allowed to enjoy things lest we are lest we become man children um there are highly successful people um all over the world that enjoy toys that enjoy comic books that enjoy manga that enjoy you know all sorts of things i don't think that it's infantile to enjoy them that presupposes that the only people who are allowed to have fun or enjoy colorful things are children. What is left for the adult? You know, I don't want to live in a gray world just because I grew the fuck up. I didn't choose this. I didn't ask to be here. Let me like what I like. Why, why, (laughs) why do people feel the need to police what other people like on any level? 
Sean, go do your taxes instead. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just asinine. Um and I I I know this is coming from the school of Alan Moore. Like this is a core Alan Moore opinion. I just don't think it's right. I, I just don't. And quite frankly, <laughs> I look at the comics that Alan Moore was writing at the time. What children were these for? Alan Moore is a part of the problem that Alan Moore identified. Word. He might be the creator of oh, him and like Frank Miller are like some of the progenitors of like the mature superhero comic. Yeah, it's yeah. total that, bullshit. That said, I think they would admit to that. But don't yeah. but don't beat me down and call me a child when you wrote things that made me this way. I also oh, know what, did it. I know what Alan Moore uh, does to children based on his Billy Bats and stuff and Twilight of the Superheroes. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> you could have phrased that way differently. <laughs> Listen to our Twilight of the Superheroes uh, uh, supercut that's on our YouTube. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, Brandon Barnett says comics should certainly be marketed to kids, i.e., early teens, but they should still be more mature. Thirteen-year-old kids love rated R content. Well, I don't think you can sell rated R content to them, but I think I get your point. I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with comics being primarily marketed towards adults, um, because of the fact that, first of all, look, this is a huge conversation that I think. Uh, AH is right, probably deserves its own space, but mm. the fact of the matter is that comic books would have to exist, and, and and by the way, that's a super generic word, comic books, right? When people say that, in this case, they're probably talking about superhero comics, because I highly doubt they're talking about any of the incredible creator-owned books that exist on the market. You want everything to be marketed towards kids? That's not happening. But even putting that aside, if we're just talking about superhero comics, why? Why? I don't think there's anything wrong with having books for 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 kids, absolutely. But it's no longer the days where you're a kid and you're being dragged along to the drugstore by your dad and you beg and whine for a 50 cent comic. And so he can throw you a couple of shekels so you can buy the book. You want to buy a comic book kid? Give me five bucks to give to the cashier. Go work for that $5. Comic books are too expensive to market to kids. And if they weren't, they wouldn't exist anymore. Kids have iPads. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Those days are done. Yeah. They're dead. Shout out to Cho, uh, Chillmonger. Forget yeah, adults or kids. <laughs> Comics are marketed. I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah, bro, he's not wrong. When, James, when James have, Gunn doing all the marketing for DC Comics right now. Well, when you have all of your creators having to go and push their own books because they don't get a, an extra page in the in whatever issue or something, like that sucks. That's funny, Hendrick Perry. <laughs> Red Watchman and V for Vendetta when I was 12, and I promise you I definitely told people I understood it. <laughs> for real. Like, come on. Let's be real. This this Alan Moore is one of the greatest creators of all time, and I respect the hell out of him, especially after the Twilight of the Superheroes thing we did. But there are times when he's full of shit, and in this case, <laughs> this this opinion is, is just one of them. I'm sorry. You can't contribute to a problem and then complain about the problem. When you created the problem, it, it's that meme where it's got where the guys at Subway is like, "Yeah, your sandwich sucks, bro. You created the sandwich, you know." 
anyway, um, that was a little a little divergent, but I just needed to talk about that because I couldn't stop thinking about it. Love a soapbox this morning. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have something to present to you all that I think we're all excited about, which is the final installment of the countdown series, the top five Batman countdown series. The five Batman books Marco's read. <laughs> Yo, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. hey. The five Batman six. books that Marco thinks are the most decent. <laughs> are the most fine. <laughs> and you number know what? Frankly, I, frankly, I'm not excited about number one. The <laughs> I believe you. Number one, Tom King's Batman Swamp Thing issue. Mitch Kerr is an art. Hey, that sounds pretty good. I mean, um, I'll, I'll start. Go ahead, yeah. Fucking do it then. Yeah, My boy. number one Batman book is. Ow, fuck. Ow, ow, Spencer. Okay, I'm so sorry. Ow. No, no, go away, go away. Go the away, suspense. Go away. Were you he beating just, up he your just cat? Did drum roll on his <laughs> cat, by the way. And then he swiped at me. I can't imagine why. How hard you, how hard you have to no, hit that, a cat to make that table. noise. That was the table. No, oh. you can't be doing fast scared, movements around the cat. scared by like the that. table. Yeah, yeah. Just beating um, that cat's spine. <laughs> the table. It's called Shiatsu. Uh, is uh, Dark Knight Returns. All right. Okay. That's all you got to say. About it. <laughs> I feel like it's a pretty basic choice. I don't know. It's very good. It is. I like it a lot. Yeah. That's all you art. got? That's all I got for it. I feel like all of our number ones are kind of like gonna be a lot. pretty basic, though. Not mine. Okay. All right. Why don't you go next? Mine is the Batman Fugitive Murderer series. Oh. I talk about this all the time uh, because it, it puts uh, a mystery uh, on Bruce Wayne, not Batman, that Bruce Wayne has to solve, um, and then he, while all the while, uh, looking at himself as a potential suspect, mm. it um, it forces his entire family, all of his friends, to turn the same eye that they turn toward criminals onto him. Um, he has to. Uh, he has to, and this is the first time I saw this in a way that really made it work. He has to lose Bruce Wayne to fully become Batman and let himself um, put together the pieces of this mystery so that he can come out of on the other side. Um, and it's also got one of the um, one of the things I frequently complain about within this um, drive to succeed. He uh, neglects and isolates himself. But what this does is it makes everyone else uh, fight harder for him. And then when the chips are down, and he's just about to you know go off the cliff edge. They're there to remind him, no, we're a family. Mm. And you may do a lot for us, but we also do things for you. Um, and I think the the wrap-up and the lead-in, it's 
uh, at geez, back in the day, it was collected um, in in four trades. You know, you had uh, Bruce Wayne Murderer and then Bruce three volumes of Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Mm. And the way it connects each volume, the stakes get higher and higher. The first volume is just like, oh, this is a uh, a massive uh, conspiracy against Bruce. We got to figure it out. Bruce's uh, breaks out of jail. Then, uh, in the second volume, it the conspiracy goes sort of like global, you know, to like the DEA and um, uh, Checkmate, and then it gets bigger to um, you know like Deathstroke and Lex Luthor level um, villains. I think. This tremendous run, and I will talk about it until I'm dead. <laughs> who, who did that run? Cal, do you know? Uh, Brubaker and Rucka. Oh, whoa, that's uh, yeah, that's right. Wait, what? That's right. I didn't realize that that was during their run. Mm-hmm. I was reading uh, Gotham Central, which is this is pre-Gotham Central. Then, I, think right? I think it's pre-Gotham Central, yeah. but I I would bet it's what kicked off Gotham Central. That makes sense, yeah. Wow. It's a good pick. I have not read that, and uh, the way you laid it out, I feel like I need to. So Highly recommend it. That's awesome. A really unique number one, um, or, you know, like number one Batman book right. as well. Yep. Mine is not unique. It is Batman Year One by Miller and Meskelly. Um It's just great comics in general. It's some of the most iconic Batman panels of all time, like him at that that dinner where he's in the smoke, and you know he kind of just like lays down the law for all these mobsters and stuff. And, and the fact that it's Year One, so it's not really like Batman Rogues Gallery. It's really you know just the the crime bosses of the world and it has like the origin to Catwoman in it. It's just, I I can read year one like over and over again and still find new things to love about it. And also it's not long, so it's an easy read. Um, But yeah, this is just, I, I don't, I, I know it's like the choice, but I can't pick anything else over it. It's just so good. Great. A great book. Um, and again, like another another quote unquote basic answer, but I I think basic makes sense. There's a reason yeah. why it's it's so good. It's the blueprint yep. for a lot of comics, you know. Absolutely, blueprint for a lot of creators. Please, how much of that has factored into like every Batman movie we've ever seen? Yep. You know, most of the new Batman books. You know, um, it's just so ingrained in Batman because of how important and special that that was. Um. And by the way, if you want to share your picks with us, please do. Love to see it. A lot of you doing that in the chat. Yeah. We're up to number one, but if you if you haven't gotten if you haven't been following along with us, share us share us your whole top five. We love it. And we have a a Batman countdown thread in the Discord if you're so uh, uh, so inclined. Yeah, absolutely. It pops um, off every week. Wow, Batman Eternal! Someone chose Batman Eternal. That's incredible. Nice light read. Yeah. Um, what Batman the Imposter? Wow, you guys are you guys are well read. Amon Perez shows No Man's Land. I still haven't read that. I wanted to, but I when I wanted to, it wasn't available. Like the just wasn't collected. I've uh, yeah. I've never read No Man's Land. I it comes it, it's literally the precursor to Batman Fugitive, but I've never oh, okay. been able to find the whole thing. 
Before I give my number one, chat, specific to the live chat right this second, get us over 30. Let's do it. Let's get let's get us to over 30 likes. I know we can do it. Let's hit that 30 mark so we can do this incredible draft, this spooky draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. Super chats are open. We're having a good time here. My number one pick is not a surprise. Oh, no, no one at all should be surprised by this. Um, it's the most obvious me pick ever. My number one pick is Batman R.I.P. This is this is to me, this is the apex. This is where the the story that Grant had been telling uh, at that point for a few years um doesn't end. It just turns a new leaf. Mm. And one of the most amazing things to me about that book is the fact that it manages to operate on several levels. It was the big sort of like black Batman uh, blockbuster for that summer. And I think that was around the same time that uh, the Dark Knight was coming out. So they needed something big. And so they went with Batman RIP. Um, so it works on that level. If you don't know what else Grant has been doing and you just jump in because it's like, wow, Batman RIP, big deal. You get a great story. You don't necessarily need to know everything that came before. I started with RIP. Like, I didn't read Grant's stuff previous to that. I went back because yeah. I liked RIP so much. But RIP was enough, whereas, like, Tony Daniel in art, too, right? Yes. Um, yeah, it was just tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous looking book. It, But it also works on the level of all these dominoes are now falling. If you've yeah. been following along for the years that this took to build towards – then you are very, in my opinion, you're very satisfied by the end because everything pays off. Yep. But then it also works on the level of being a future, uh, of setting up the future of Batman and where the character's going to go and battle for the cow and it led to us getting Dick Grayson as Batman, which is one of the most important things that happened in the mythos of Batman in the last 30 years because it changed the game. It reminded people that other people can wear the cowl and you can love those stories and they can be great as well. Um, and it set Bruce on a completely unique journey that we'd never seen before with the return of Bruce Wayne, which is divisive, but I love. So for me, overall, RIP is a complete special Batman story that changed the game for the character. It also operates on a level, um, and C.W. Gordon, it was Gordon, yes, uh, points out in the chat that alongside the Black Casebook, Grant Morrison was also working on um, things that happened, you know, in the '60s and '70s, and you know, uh, silly years of Batman. Grant was working on making those things relevant at the same time. So Grant is just working, you know, in a full circle with RIP. Insane. It really is. It really is unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, those those things that you're talking about, like Batmite is present in yep. RIP for a bit. We obviously Zuranar is there. So but those are concepts from, you know, decades prior stories that somehow feel appropriate. So. When I talk about magic in comics, which is something that I bring up, you know, frequently, that's what I'm talking about. It's the most magical Batman story of all time, if you ask me. Well, Atomic Hound says his number one is 
the original Demon's Head saga, the first appearance of uh, Talia and Ra's al Ghul and their epic sword fight in the desert. Nice. In, sword uh, fight uh, in more than one way, yeah. yeah. In Detective 411, Batman 232, 235, 239, 242 through 244. That's awesome. I haven't read that. It's great. It's great. That's our top five. That's our that's our uh, our Batman countdown. So Join hopefully us. you guys enjoyed that. Um, it's been a lot of fun for me. And uh, I think we'll do these again. I think we'll do we'll do another one. Join next us next week month. for our top five Swamp Things. Oh, God. Yo, literally, you're taking my jokes. That's <laughs> wild. I see it. Um, Would a non-Bruce story break your top five? Yes. That yeah. was one of the rules. I think if non-Bruce stories were allowed, we all would have had one on our top five. Easy Black Mirror. Black Mirror. Batwoman Elegy for me. Maybe two at that point so yeah batman year 100 that's bruce isn't it no yeah no? yeah it is is it bruce yep fight me it's a paul pope one right yeah yeah, yeah. fucking yeah. question me who do you think you are <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh shit uh, i could use that Fuck. Well, turns out marco has read your six. homework <laughs> I thought it was someone else. I thought he was like old and dead. Wait, how could you have used it if you didn't comprehend who was in it? Like, <laughs> well, no, that's why I, I didn't. Yeah, that's why I didn't because I thought it was somebody else. Uh, Court of Owls is my favorite. It's what got me into comics. I honestly think that some form of Batman got a lot of people into comics. And Court of Owls is a great place to start. That's a great comic. That was on my list. Um, Batman's amazing. Love Batman. I'm glad we got to do this. And if you guys have suggestions for who you would like to see us do or what, you know, character or group you'd like to see us do a top five countdown about in the future or a countdown to something else entirely, let us know. If you've got ideas, we've got ears. So let's jump into the news. This is exactly what we needed to hear this week. The answer to what exactly Ultimate Spider-Man is going to be. Finally, we know, according to Jonathan Hickman and according to Marvel themselves, who have put this, who have put this, uh, these these uh, images out, we got the covers. Or are these the covers? Yeah, I think these are the covers. I believe there are a cover. There are some of the yeah. covers, yeah. Yeah. For Ultimate Spider-Man number one, and it clearly prominently features... Peter Parker, Mary Jane, and children. This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I speculated we would be getting. It is Ultimate Spider-Man married with children. This is show. like, what if Mary Jane, or what if Aunt May never got shot, or what if Peter never made the deal with the devil to kill his marriage to MJ? This is like that all these years later. I love it. That's crazy that it has to be in the ultimate universe for him to live happily ever after. Well, there's the added wrinkle that he gets bit at an older age, though, right? So he's still technically newish to the role, but he has a family. So it's a bit of like it's it's what Marvel 616 Marvel would never give us. You know, a grown-up Peter 
with kids, you know, who's not perpetually a, a child. Speaking of man child from that previous comment, uh, but it, you know, it lets him grow. Uh, but there's a little a little twist on it where he's like, I guess it's still a new Spider-Man in a way. I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting, and I'm excited for it. This I, yeah. isn't what I wanted. <laughs> Wait, what? This like what what we're talking about when we say we want Spider-Man to grow up is the main Spider-Man. You know, I understand all the reasons we can't have that fine, but I don't want, you know, Spider-Man being bitten at 30 with two kids and his back hurts and, you know, like he's in a an ultimate world where the maker is in charge of everything and like this is a different this is a different thing. Uh, uh, asked I asked for McDonald's, you're giving me, you know Arby's. Not even Arby's. Like <laughs> you're giving me Wiener Schnitzel. Like, well, don't hate on Wiener Schnitzel. All right. I hate that. That wasn't hate. Fair. Everybody, calm down. Every we love Wiener Schnitzel in this house. The fuck is that? The the point is, it's you know, it's a completely different thing. I'm not. I'm not putting Wiener Schnitzel in my mouth. I'll let you know right now. Neo, pause. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> so you feel like this is more of a consolation prize. It's like, no, well, we I'm, can't I mean, really I'm sure, do it, but here you go. I'm sure Hickman has a story to tell here. You know, uh, I, I I don't doubt that, but I, I, I you know, yeah. Yeah, I do feel like this is a consolation prize, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I like the idea of like, like young Peter when he first gets his spider powers, you know, like he's like, oh, you know, I have this strength all of a sudden. Like, oh, I can stick to walls. I like the idea of maybe this Peter – just waking up one day and he's his bones don't ache and he's like oh wait a minute you know it's like oh i was able to get out of bed without my back hurting interesting <laughs> it's pretty funny um i don't have the same kind of connections to um either these relationships or these dynamics so the fact that this is starting as a net new uh, number one i'm more interested in that and seeing the story unfold from there I don't care what previous relationships might have looked like. I don't necessarily mind if this is, you know, uh, something that is being built upon from something prior. It's new. Uh, I'm going to give it the the grace of just going in with no expectation. It's a bit of renew your vows, uh, a bit, you know, the Secret Wars renew your vows stuff. But there's another kid in this. He has a son as well, so. That kid's name is Ben for sure, right? That's a fair assumption. Gotta be. It's gotta ben be. Ben and yeah. May, right? Yeah. Ben. Um. Yes, this is a consolation prize, and I am all about it because <laughs> you know I have long accepted the fact that this will never happen in main Marvel books. I actually am not an advocate that it should happen. So the fact that we can, you know, Mar us and Marvel can have our cake and eat it too. Um, I'm I'm into that. I, I appreciate that they're giving us what we want, even if it's not necessarily where everyone thinks it should happen. And it's funny because at New York Comic Con, there was a ton of, uh, of uh, negative reaction to the Spider-Man panel when they talked about what was coming up in the main Spider-Man book. The audience itself that, that attended that panel were angry. 
I believe I read that they booed uh, someone when they got on stage. It might have been Sobolski. Yeah, I thought it was Sobolski. Okay. So he deserves that. You know, these Spider-Man fans are very angry. And when Ultimate Spider-Man was discussed, obviously this announcement wasn't there, but um, we had the announcement that it would be like a Peter B. Parker. That was all all we really knew. When they talked about that, everybody was excited. So there's disdain for mainline Spider-Man that I don't think Marvel's ever really going to shake. Book still sells like hotcakes. Who cares? Everybody that whines about that book should stop that and read this and shut up. And it does not hurt that it's Hickman and Chichetto. Like, that's like, oof. Yeah, the create like like have faith in the creative team. I feel like as well. You 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 know that these that these two have done good things in the past. Then wh- why would that be any different? Why would they not bring their talent to this and make you care? Well, about- you're putting you're putting words in my mouth. I okay, I don't excuse me. Uh, yeah, you put one in his mouth. Let me let me take that uh, wiener schnitzel right out. <laughs> Hickman and Chichetto are gonna tell a great story, but they're not gonna tell. The story that I want. Oh, oh, I here here. I'd pause it something real quick. All right. Wait. No. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Oh, wait. I. They're gonna do good work, but it's not my Spider-Man. Me. 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 Oh, Marco's yeah. got teeth. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Fuck out of here. What are you talking about? We've been doing this podcast for seven years. <laughs> no, no, I, you, your, your reaction is not like it. You know what? Kale, that's a kale take, hundred percent kale take. I disagree with your take, kale. I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right, that's it. Fine. Like, you, but you're 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 sitting here saying that I don't believe Hickman and Chichetto aren't aren't going to tell a good story. That's not what I said. <laughs> I said my excitement for this isn't there because it's not even a Peter B. Parker story. Peter B. Parker grew up as our Tobey Maguire. We saw him at 18 get bitten by a spider and grow up as Spider-Man to see him get married, have a kid with Aunt Ma- uh, woof, whoa, whoa, with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Mary Jane. Whatever That's the story you want, Kale? Jeez. <laughs> uh, um, Marissa Tomei, come on. Uh, so it's not what was promised. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. I'd also argue this is comic books, and you know nobody really wanted Miles Morales until it, he he was actually amazing. And you know what? Now he's in the six one six. So like, if this gets enough feet and traction, who's to know? Who's to say that the Ultimate Universe won't ultimately fail again, except for Spider Man, and then they merge the two once again? Marvel. Like that may happen, but even still, it will reset. I think there's a 0.0 chance that we see anyone in this family ever again in a, like not ever again, but like in Marvel proper. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't think that that is ever going to happen. Um, And I look, I think that, you know, there, there are definitely a segment of Spider-Man fans who will literally never be happy. Um, and if they don't looking at him. Well, yeah. If, if you guys don't choose to buy this comic, <laughs> And this comic doesn't do well. I think that that probably tells Marvel, hey, they don't want what they said they wanted. Kale, is it because this this Peter sort of looks like you? Brother, <laughs> the amount of uh, times I can tell you that I self-identified as Peter Parker goes back so far in history. Like, there are things that 
I can pinpoint in my life that happened at the same time as Spider-Man. It's un it's uncanny, as it were. Like when the kingpin shot your aunt that one time. Well, yeah. listen, I love my aunt. I had to make a deal with the devil, devil to keep her alive. Yep, and that's why you live in England now. <laughs> <laughs> Not Europe. Not everything is one to one. Okay. Hendrick Perry has a has a an idea that I really want to expand upon. Imagine the Ultimates ends again, but the kids survive, and now Peter just has two kids. So that's what I'm saying that that's fair. But here's the problem. All right, if that happens, it won't be Peter raising them children. It's gonna Chad be Paul. Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Paul. It's gonna be Paul and MJ taking in the Ultimate Kids. Yep, leaving Peter alone. A single bachelor, once again, childless. Now I identify with Peter Parker. <laughs> I won't. I won't buy this comic until they they announce Ultimate Paul. <laughs> ultimate Paul is this ultimate version of Venom? Yo, Paul Venom, but he's effective. He's just as good at his job. Yo, yeah, actually, I say that jokingly, but Paul doesn't. Paul doesn't need a symbiote to destroy Spider Man. Yeah. He just needs a, a hotel chair. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh man, yeah. I think, I think Paul might be the greatest addition to the Spider Man mythos <laughs> in decades. It's definitely, definitely the greatest addition to the Pals mythos. <laughs> <laughs> he, he needs to become a staple. That's it. He's in. That's the first villain. He has to save MJ from Chad. Paul's the eternal villain. Yes, absolutely. I want to see. I want to see Peter Parker get the the symbiote suit and like really want smoke with Paul. That's what I want to <laughs> see. Which they sort of actually did in Amazing Spider-Man recently. So I got my wish. When he was, when he go was after him with the, uh, that the goblin. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yep. Maybe I should read it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you're the one that took MJ from me. Uh, yeah, but but like but like like he he he's like he's like kind of like mad at himself. So he's kind of like doing the walk. He's like, fuck, he's like, this guy, you this, you can't fucking believe it. He Do, took doing my the Cody walk. walk. Right. <laughs> yeah. He was in the house, like yeah, tweaking about Paul. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm I'm into this. This is. This is I'm glad that the the question marks are out of the equation and we now know exactly what this book is going to be. Uh, you know, I trust this creative team. I trust that Hickman has a story to tell. I genuinely don't think he would sign up to write Spider-Man if he didn't. Yeah. So I'm into this. Marco Cicchetto is one of my favorite artists of all time. This has me written all over it. Sign me up, please. Yep. It's going to be great. I think. You know what else will be great? I think. Uh, Rom V Ooh. doing a new creator-owned book called The One Hand. And it's with artists Lawrence Campbell and Lee Lowridge. That's coming in February from Image. Wow, great distill... Oh. <laughs> not, not distillery. <laughs> Sorry, I thought, we were, I thought he was leading to an announcement there. Oh, a distillery announcement? No, no, no one talks about distillery. Um, so this is what the one hand will be about. It's a five-part mini. Uh, 
Neo Novana detective Ari Nasser is about to retire with an enviable record until a brutal murder occurs, bearing all the hallmarks of the one-hand killer, which should be impossible since Ari already put him away not once but twice in the years before. What follows is a deadly cat-and-mouse game as Ari pursues his quarry down the rain-soaked streets of Neo Novena. Ari will stop at nothing to unravel the secrets and ciphers of this case, but with each revelation only leads further into the dark heart of his future metropolis and Ari's own beleaguered soul. Hmm. So that sounds pretty cool, right? Neo Novena out the gate. All right. Like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, detective essentially chasing down a killer. Pretty typical stuff. I'm mm-hmm. sure Rom V will make it great because that's what Rom does. But who is this killer? Well, we can find that out in the Six Fingers. Wait, what? Because the Six Fingers is another miniseries that's being done by Dan Waters with art by Sumit Kumar and Lee Lowridge that actually tells the story of the serial killer. So you can follow, or the murder, I don't know if he's a serial killer. You can follow both sides of this story from two different creative teams at the same time. Yo, that's, now, that's cool. cool. Now, you can't do that at distillery. <laughs> <laughs> so this is cool as shit. I'll read the, I'll read the solicit for the Six Fingers. Uh, Neo Novena archaeology student Johannes Vale has always been so very in control of his life, but when he commits a brutal murder using the M.O. of an historic and notorious serial killer, everything begins to spiral out of control, mm-hmm. primarily as Johannes doesn't remember doing it. What follows is a deadly cat and mouse game as Johannes seeks refuge in the rain-soaked streets of Neo Novena. He will stop at nothing to unravel the secrets and ciphers of what he did and why he did it, but each revelation only leads him further down the dark heart of his future metropolis and Johannes's own broken soul. <clears throat> wow okay and dan yeah, waters yeah. He, dan he's waters. like a he's a i feel like a sleeper he gets slept on mm-hmm. well they were they were in white noise together which is a collective i think london-based creators um okay but it was like it was it's alex pacnadel ryan o'sullivan um and i, I think it might have been a couple others that were a part of it and it's really just like a way of them saying like yeah we work together like yeah you know it's a uh 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 it's like a studio, you know, it just doesn't exist. probably without the physical space. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, one thing interesting I'm seeing uh, in the chat is uh, you guys one story, funny. twice the price. <laughs> you guys are hilarious. That's so that, it, it, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but yeah. Yeah. Are they coming out? Let's see. When are they? Are they coming out around the same time? February and February. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're probably. Right. Okay, cool. And essentially, gonna, a, presumably, a weekly story at, at this point. What wouldn't it essentially be a bi-weekly story if it's like monthly? You could, yeah. Well, presumably, it's going to be monthly, but they're just going to be coming out within probably the same, like drop the same week. Whatever the cadence, because we don't actually, we don't exactly know the cadence. The mm-hmm. idea is that the books are meant to be read together, right? Mm-hmm. So. I can't think of a time. I mean, obviously, Big Two do it all the time. I can't think of a of a of a like scenario in comics. Otherwise, outside of events, 
Yeah. Like out like event comics outside of the big two, Marco, you mean? Yeah, I'm just saying outside of events in general where like you have to have be reading two or more series to catch like that fuller picture. Well, I don't oh. think you do have to. I mean, for the fuller picture, yeah, but I think, you know, knowing Rom and I assume Dan, uh, you probably don't have to read the other, you know, mm. to, to get at least a complete picture. They'd be independent enough. Yeah. For, yeah, for that individual story, I would imagine that that would be the case. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. But I, I think this is pretty sick. Um, I'm excited. Yeah. I agree. Dan Waters has been cooking. Hello, Cole. I, I don't recall seeing your name before. So welcome. Thank you for joining. Uh, we hit our likes goal, by the way. You guys are amazing. I'd love to push past it if we can. But you guys, you guys, uh, you guys are the Avengers. You heard the call and you answered it. It's beautiful. We collectively are the best team in comics. How about that? Hey. Um, yeah, I think this is great. I think it's a little bit different. Um, and for me personally, I'm I'm ready for like a I haven't read a, a murder mystery book in a while, so uh I'm into this. Short and sweet five issues. I'm down. Should be good. Get her done. The uh, the Tom Mueller design too. Cool. Ooh. Yeah, hey. yeah the what? design on these are killer. What isn't he designing? Word. Oh, Gil- Gilmer's <laughs> right. Radiant black. Absolutely. Yep. I they, would. They, yeah, they do this. Uh, okay. Um. But uh, moving on to DC, we have an exit from DC. Pamela Lifford has left the company. Um, she's been, so she has been, for those of you who don't know her, uh, she was Warner Brothers Discovery's global brands, franchises, and experience, um, you know, leader, which she's been in that role for over seven years. Um, that role put her in charge of DC. So overseeing DC comics. And I, I remember when she first joined and, you know, we've seen some of the things that have happened under her. Um, she's leaving for a family matter. And I'm grateful not for the family matter. I'm grateful that she's leaving because mm-hmm. this is around the time when DC started to feel real corporate. And I think I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that when they transitioned when they moved, she might have even been in charge. Um, but I don't. I I I feel like her beat her involvement. Like so, here's an example. Uh, she got rid of Vertigo. Mm-hmm. She got rid of Vertigo. She got rid of DC Inc. She got rid of DC Zoom. She felt like all those imprints led to confusion within the brand of DC. Uh, yeah, this Bleeding Cool article also says that she was uh, the the reason behind the uh, restrictive policies uh, that preceded the uh, the bat penis. Yes. Oh. Right. She, she was upset that that happened, and she put in tighter restrictions on what creators could do and not do in their books. Um. She 
I assume put Marie Javins in the position of editor in chief. Um, we we've seen price increases, aggressive price increases at DC Comics under her purview. Um, pretty much all the things that we aren't happy about happened under her watch. Of course, you can't necessarily attribute that all to her. We don't know how much of her oversight led to a lot of these decisions, but the decisions that we haven't liked have felt corporate. And if she's yeah. the corporate liaison between, you know, Warner Discovery and DC, then that makes sense to me. It's interesting because in, in the article also mentions the, like she also helped lead that, the growth of YA, um, but also move into web comics or the webtoons rather, which I think um, at the very least have been a bit more successful. Um, like you know, the, the other stuff aside. I think both of those things have been successful. Yeah. And of course, again, we don't know how much of that is attributed to her. Sure. Yeah. Um, Did they announce a replacement at all? No. No. Not to my knowledge. Um, but they need one. They're definitely going to need one. Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Not to interrupt, but uh, thank you, C.W. Gordon, for becoming a YouTube member. Appreciate that. Hey, appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining the channel really appreciate you becoming a comics pal sidekick. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Um, CW Gordon, a, a, a veteran of our, uh, of our channel. So really Nightwing over here. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think DC and I've said this before and I got criticized for it, but I think DC wears their corporate oversight a little more visibly than Marvel does in the sense that we see a lot of things that clearly come from, from the top down. Um, and I hope that they can find a way to make DC not feel that way as much, but again, successes and failures. If the, if the YA stuff is her, if putting Marie Javins in charge is her then great. But one of the biggest things I think about when I think about DC in recent years is when they, gutted their editorial yeah a couple and, of times over and that's something that she i'm assuming was a part of you don't gut such a huge swath of editorial a few times and not have the chief person in charge knowing about it and probably yep. partaking yep. so that was something that upset me um and i think it was a mistake but <laughs> yeah and uh, I guess, like, what what does the replacement need to do here? Like, what what do they need to do to help bolster the company? Because I'm thinking, uh, if somebody else is going to come and replace this person, and they're in between the corporate end and the or like the the Warner Discovery end and then the DC Comics end, um, my first thought is, how do you synergize the films? Because that's what's upcoming for the larger Warner and DC film stuff. Um, and then, uh, I mean, we identified it at the beginning. How do you strengthen some of the core titles, something like a Justice League? Or, or give direction to, to Javen to, to do that? Jim Lee. This is time for, it's time for Jim Lee's full ascent. Mm -hmm. Jim Lee and, J and James Gunn are very tight. Jim Lee is obviously a creator that I've never heard a single bad word about. He can be that liaison. Mm. He can lead 
and oversee the synergy if if it's needed, which he's probably going to be doing at, at anyway. But if you tell me Marie Javins as the EIC, Jim Lee as the connective tissue between Warner and DC, and James Gunn as the head of the outside of comics entertainment aspect of DC, that's a power team to me. That's a triumvirate I can get behind. I think I agree. Yeah. That would have been cool. I mean, still potential, right? Well, what, and what is, uh, which one of Jim Lee's hats is he going to have to give up? I mean, he's already given um, up most of the creative end of stuff. I think, I forget, I think he's president right now. I believe so. Yeah. I know he Fourth just, team. he just received an upgrade. Oh, he's the CCO. He's the ah. chief creative officer at DC Comics. Okay. So, yeah, I think he's he's prime for that position. Currently the president, publisher, and CCO, soon to be president of global brands, franchises, and experiences. God damn. Wait, what the last part you just added on, was that you saying that or was that what you read? Uh yeah, president of global brands, franchises, and experiences. That's the title. Surely he's next in line then. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so, um, because that's sort of what Pamela's position was, is it not? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the exact one. Yeah, yeah, that's the exact that's the exact one. So he's getting he's getting that bump. Well deserved, Jim. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Yeah, deserved. Yeah. yeah, the first thing I do when I Google Jim Lee is I see a, a thumbnail for a YouTube channel that's uh, that just says incompetence rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> A d- decent thumbnail. I'll say good, good thumbnail work. But yeah, do you guys ever think about how unhinged, uh, like so much of the rest of comics YouTube is? Oh, dude, it's yeah, it's man. nuts. Yeah, yo, I don't, I don't know what you guys are searching. The first thing that pops up on my end is Jim Lee inks Omega Red. Jim Lee draws Katana from Mortal Kombat. I like to I like to know that your Google Google searches are just as uh, as. Uh, a darling as you are, Marco. <laughs> uh, C.W. Gordon asks, who replaced Dan Didio? I mean, Dan Didio was editor-in-chief, right? So, Marie Javins. Javins. Javins yeah. Um, which, I don't disagree with that. Um, I think Didio put his time in. Mm. Yeah. I think it's fair. Yeah. All right. All right. One thing left to do, and that is to draft. You guys got us to our goal. You got us over our goal. You cleared it. And so the reward, of course, is that we all get to have a little bit of fun with a Halloween-themed draft. We are drafting five of the spookiest, scariest, magicalist characters that we can think of. Um, What are the rules? Characters that are meaningfully connected to the spiritual, horror, or supernatural end of comics. Right? Everybody aligned? Aligned. Aligned, yeah. Any caveat questions that need to be asked? I think we will know it when we see it. Wait. Say those adjectives one more time. <laughs> adjectives. Uh, sp- <laughs> what I say? Uh, uh, A mystical? Supernatural, horror... Ma- I said magicalist. It's not a real word, but I did that on purpose. 
I did. I, yeah. I thought that was a new CW <laughs> show. <laughs> it should be. Um, but uh, again, everyone's good with this. I don't want to. I don't want there to be some crazy cockamamie. Um, you know. Oh, does this character apply? We all know like, who's spooky. Batman does not count, even though he's dealt with that stuff before. I think he is meaningfully connected to that realm of comics. Whoa. Ooh, I'm going to hard disagree on Batman on that one. How? At minimum, he, not... minimum he's spooky. Are you kidding me? I feel like that goes against the spirit of the question. But the, the question is, is who's meaningfully connected? Is, is he or is he not? That's would... the only thing that matters. But I'm thinking like Swamp Thing, Constantine, Man Thing. Yeah, them too. But is Batman connected? That's the question. Batman, he Batman can, listen, he can hate it all he wants, C.W. Right. Gordon, but he's still in there. He's still dealing with it. I mean, just know if you guys pick Batman, I'm judging you. But. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I. You think have... you can come at me? I watch your Instagram stories. <laughs> what is on those? <laughs> I've got my dice. Ooh, we are ready to draft. Fear. Yes, I, I went with per- I went with my purple dice for today. Is that like a themed one? What is it like? Um, so these actually, oh no, these actually <laughs> are <laughs> themed, but I don't know what they what the icon actually is meant to represent. Ooh, what is? Huh. Yeah, that is. Is that the six? Yes, that is the six. And they're uh, um, part of the dice wars, or whatever. No, so uh, this is a part. Well, this is a part of Hero Clicks, which Hero is a interesting uh, a board game, I guess. Yeah, I don't know who um, have those colors. Is that blue? And, purple yeah. and blue. Yeah, purple and blue. Like a haunted um, magic. All right, color. I'm gonna roll. I'll roll for Kale first. Here we go. That's a six. I will roll okay. for Tyler. One. That is a six as well. I will oh. show you. That is a six. I will roll for Marco. That is a seven. Oh, and I will roll for myself. That is a four. I'll show you. That's a four. So uh, wow. I go last. I go last. Well, I, yeah, I go last. Marco's up first, and I'll roll now for Kale and uh, Tyler for the roll off. I'll roll for Kale first. That's a five. What is these low rolls today? Damn, bro. And now for Tyler. That is a nine. So the order will be Marco, Tyler, Kale, myself. And Sean, are these? Comic book specific, yes. So that we're not doing Vegetas or Goku's. Well, technically, that's manga, right? Which is Bitch. comics. What if it's an IP that has comic books? No, okay. it has to be a comic original. All right, so we can't t- take Buffy. Got it. I wish I could. Yeah, okay, that would that would that would be amazing. Uh, all right. Without further ado. The most Marcos. telegraphed first pick coming up. You you know it before somebody <laughs> steals it. Miss the swamp thing. Marco, if I had gone first, I guarantee you I would have taken swamp. Oh, I know. Oh, same, I, I was same. <laughs> everybody here I knew was that was gonna be their first pick just to spite me. Wrong, I'm well bitch. aware. I don't want your grass, man. <laughs> uh so I go, right? Okay. So no. Uh oh. Yeah, oh, yes, 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 yes. So if you went Swamp Thing, uh, uh, let me go with. Let's do Mephisto. 
Okay. Oh, talk spooky going straight to the top. I'm going to go Etrigan. Oh, damn. You couldn't say that in iambic pentameter, Kel? I don't read enough Shakespeare. Sorry. Okay, fair. Uh, Batman. <laughs> judged, oh. judged, judged, judged. <laughs> Do not give up. Flying fuck. Um, and uh, Elsa Bloodstone. Mm. Oh. Got your back, didn't I, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Got you back. I didn't even do anything. <laughs> No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, I meant got you back, like I you I brought you well, back. Yeah, yeah, too. no, no. Also, blood song was was yeah first round for me. But yeah. Um, Kale again. Yeah. Uh oh, this is my second pick. Yes. Yeah. Ragman. Oh damn. Let me let me get a let me get a let me get a one buddy baker please animal man. That's good. All right, that's a good one. What's spooky about him? He's yeah, he, was, he was in he, Rot World. Uh, the yeah. whole. Oh, I see what kills horror said. aspect of it. He had a whole horror book. Did he? Jeffrey Mir stuff. Yeah, the Jeffrey Mir stuff. Yeah, I felt like that was. Yeah, all right. All I, right. I, I, he literally I, fought I, Anton I, Arcane I, in the Mystical Arts there, and he right. was part of Justice League Dark. All I'm right. Um, I'm gonna do Delirium from uh Sandman. Interesting, one of the endless. Okay, yeah, and uh, Doctor Strange. The fuck. Let me get uh, let me get a Lucifer from Sandman. Oh, that's good. From what? Sorry, Sandman. Oh, I want double devils right now. Is there a third I can get? There is a triumvirate. Kale. Uh, my third will be the Spectre. Nice. I'm gonna go Ghost Rider. Whomst? Oh, uh, 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 Johnny Blaze. Right? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. That's the Nicholas Cage one. That's like the main one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You weren't gonna go Jason Aaron and Mammoth prehistoric Ghost Rider, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool though. Um, and I want to draft Raven. Is that appropriate? Yeah. 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 Is uh, are you doing five or six? Five. Okay. I could do six. I could do. You six. guys want to do six? Let's do six. Let's do six. This is an easy one. All right. So. We'll do six. Kale. Uh, who do I have next on my list? The Phantom Stranger. Oh, that's very good. Oh, okay. I've got my last one. Yeah, nobody better pick Pandora, a trash character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm up. Uh, give me Moon Knight. Mm. All right. I'm going to do. Thank you, Tyler. I didn't think of this, but I'm going to do Denji, Chainsaw Man. And demons. I'm gonna demons, do. Yeah. Um, should I save this for my last? I'm gonna save that one for the last. Uh, I'm gonna do Shade the Changing Man. Interesting okay. list. Okay. Just wait till my last one. <laughs> All right, Tyler. 
Uh, I don't know why he hasn't been taken yet. John Constantine. Word. Sucks. He's whatever. Oh. I would never draft okay. him. I wouldn't want him on my team, but. You're yeah, just anti-smoking. I, I get it, Sean, yeah. Has anybody said Dr. Fate? No. Uh, you have. Fate. Yeah. All right. Uh, and these are my last two picks. I'm I, look, my team is very white right now. Um, so don't do it, Sean. Don't do it. I'm going to. What do you mean? I'm going to draft Brother Voodoo. Oh. I had to. Nice. Yeah. Do you do. So I got Brother Voodoo, and then I'm going to. Hmm. This last one is a toughie. All right, I got I got one. I got one, but I want to see if there's going to be a challenge on this. Venom. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't see how that fits into the mystical, yeah, magical. Is it sci-fi? Horror, horror. I'd say your mm-hmm. argument here is the circle. Remember the crossover with Ghost Rider and Red Hulk during Remender's run. I don't think I read that. Uh, Venom became marked by Mephisto. There was a whole horror thing. I would also argue this, um, the Donnie Cates King in Black or whatever. Um, he's spooky enough. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's I think he's horror in the, the same way that Alien is, is horror. The Xenomorph. I don't right. think it's it's not attached to magic and spooky as such, but I do think he's horror and I can't. I can't discount it. It's cuss, I don't like but it, I'll, but I can't discount it. it. Yeah, venom. It is stuff. Uh, Kale. Uh, my last one. I am reaching for a golden oldie here, Doctor Occult. Ooh, nice. Okay. Oh, interesting. I don't even know wow. Hound, right. If Hound were here, he he'd be cheering me on. I know I'd get his vote. <laughs> CW um, Gordon says googling spooky characters of Marvel and Venom comes up first. Okay, well I'll trust Google. Um, it sounds like Gordon's cheating though. So. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Doctor Doom. Mm. Oh, Master of the Mystic yeah, Arts. Yeah. Good uh, My last one is Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld. Oh, that's a fun one. Underrated. Yeah. That's it. Holy shit. We got through that relatively quickly. I can go uh, hats for off. a whole six more, but that's too much. Probably keep going, yeah. Yeah, we, we probably could. Dude, I had man bat loaded up. Oh no man know. thing though, man. Nobody nobody said Zatanna. Yeah. Nobody said oh, Dream nobody of said the Endless. Zatanna's dad Zatara. Wow. <laughs> Dream of the Endless is still available. Like yeah. all all of the almost all of the endless. Yeah. Does Thor or Shazam count as magic? I 100% would have counted Thor because technically, literally, Thor is a magical character in Marvel Comics. Yeah. That is what Marvel yeah, has There's said. rune work, yeah. You know, Norn Stones is magic. Uh, sure. Well, he used to be he used to be just a god, but then they changed it to make him uh, a magical alien. Mm. Shazam, I think it fully counts. Yes, Shazam yeah. is 100%. Enchantress. Oh, yeah. C.W. Gordon's one is Zatanna, Hallow's Eve, Enchantress. Oh, from D.C. Oh, okay. I care less. Uh, <laughs> Hecate possessed Wonder Woman, 
Demon Nightcrawler and Demo Goblin. Demo Goblin. That's a pull. You read some Demo comics, Goblin, bro. Yeah. Hell, Hellcat, I think, is another fun one, too. Yeah. Damon yeah, Hellstrom. She's not always thought of. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, this robot is with the two for one on Cain and Abel. Yeah. That'd be good. Oh, they'd be fighting the whole time. That's not a bad, that's not a good team dynamic. That's. That, listen, the dynamic's not the, uh, <laughs> that's not what's on trial here. <laughs> so here's, here are our teams. Yeah. So Marco got Swamp Thing, Delirium, Doctor Strange, Denji, Shade the Changing Man, and Amethyst. Uh, Tyler got Mephisto, Animal Man, Lucifer, Moon Knight, Constantine, and Doctor Doom. Kale drafted Etrigan the Demon, Ragman the Spectre, Phantom Stranger, Doctor Fate, and Doctor Occult. And I drafted Batman, Elsa Bloodstone, Ghost Rider, Raven, Brother Voodoo, and Venom. So those are our picks. Who won? Kale made a legit Justice League Dark team. <laughs> yeah. I went hard. Nobody did the spirit, huh? What do you, what do you not a, he's not that a horror character. Yeah, yeah. Isn't there he's a bit a, of not a spooky, There's nothing spooky about it's crime. him. There's no occult, crime. occult crime work no. in that? No, pulp crime stuff. I thought about it, but eh, yeah. Spawn. Oh my oh, god. Hellboy yeah, too. Yeah, I hate oh, yeah. myself Hellboy. now. Oh. Yeah. I I I was going for something specific and I achieved achieved my goal. So let's do another draft. <laughs> Werewolf by night. <laughs> let's do this out. again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do it. Let's do it. Let's do it again right now. <laughs> no reusing the same characters. Let's go. That Man. would be crazy. I should have done uh, all grassy related. I could have done the heap, swamp thing, the heap, fucking man thing. Uh, wow. Woodrow. Yeah. Guys, Woodrow, yeah. Oh, yeah. Should we do it? No. I don't think so. All right. We got to say. All right. <laughs> I, I the like the idea. demanded of, it, but all right. I like the idea of revisiting some of these drafts later on and then like eliminating what we've already picked as options. Yeah, yeah, we got to do that. We got to do that with like um, Avengers. I mean, Marco's gonna have a tough time, but (laughs) yeah, we definitely got to do that. So we're gonna reveal the winner of the draft according to our live chat here in just a moment. But we have not voted, Marco. We have not voted. I just set up. I just set it up. That's it. That's it. Don't look at me. I can't vote. I'm on the Comics Pals account. So, um. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We appreciate that, of course, as always. Uh, If you want to support us further, you can do what C.W. Gordon chose to do during this conversation and join our channel membership. It is available on YouTube.com slash The Comics Pals. If you can hear me and you're on YouTube, then there's a join button um, on our video channel. So uh, just click on that and you can become a member. And there are a lot of sweet perks that you can get for becoming a member. Um, Patreon.com slash the comics pals, of course, is another way to become a member. And I just realized that I did not shout out our patrons earlier. So damn dog. Yeah. You got one job. I got a lot more than one. Um, (laughs) That one is a lot. (laughs) I want to say a special shout out to the best pals in the universe. Thunderstruck, Rebecca Alejandro, the Hound of Justice, Atomic Hound, and Starcross Catherine Stars. And, of course, thank you to the Night Stalker, Harris Dijinsky, who just celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday to you, Harris. Um, Brian Demolisher Del Pozo, Kefis the Incorruptible, 
Momentum Mike Elliott, Dan the Truth Trudeau, Joel Justice, Jalen the Sanguine Sorcerer, Neon Knight, Cosmic Avenger, Marvelous Mike and McKenzie, Marley Manastorm, and Slow Flow Dameron. Thank you all so much. You are you guys are phenomenal. Uh, y'all are the best. So you can get that through our Patreon, but there's a whole host of other great things that you can get as well. Give it a look. Check it out. Patreon.com slash the comics pals. Decide for yourself if it's worth your time. We like to say that it is. This Monday is the big day. October 30th, we will have our live book club for the long Halloween. We want to do a talk back after our portion is over. So come with your questions. Come well read. Read the book. It's not too long. You got time. And come to talk. It's going to be a lot of fun. I want to see you there. It's going to be a great time. Join our Discord server for great conversation. It's always fun. Uh, we're going to be doing a special uh, Patreon-exclusive Discord hangout real soon. Uh, that's on November 5th. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. If you're a member of our Patreon, you can come hang out with us. We're going to chit-chat about some horror comics, share recommendations, and all that kind of jazz. So it's going to be uh, big-time fun. What time is the book club? Likely 6 p.m., but uh, we'll confirm that for sure with you guys soon, but most likely 6 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, you'll see it on the scheduled YouTube thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Listen to this show live every single Saturday at 10, 15 a.m. Eastern. Listen to Pals Pulls live at 6 p.m. Eastern every single Thursday. Vote in the listener pick poll on YouTube.com slash Comics Pals in the community channel every single Friday. The winner of the poll is Ooh, it's a tie. Damn. Marco what? and Kale. Tie. I should have voted. Wow. <laughs> damn. Nobody liked your Batman pick, Sean. Jeez. <laughs> I got yeah, I got no votes. I never really have done well in the YouTube uh votes. It's, it was always on TikTok that I did well. But uh, Sean's big on did. TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Uh plugs. Kale. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Comics Pals. You can find me on Instagram at Toto in Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I and T-O-W. You can find my work at Kaleward.com. That's C-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. That space was because I forgot where I wasn't anymore. <laughs> so I had to really think about what what came next. And you can find me at Mr. Marco Nomoto on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Um, One Piece. Talk to me. Great show. Um, you can follow me uh, at the Tyler Olson Instagram, Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky, all those places. Um, on Patreon, I did a ranking of Spider-Man costumes this week. So if you want to check that out, join our Patreon. Um, you can see my hot takes on surprisingly a lot of S-tier suits. I probably should have lowered that a little bit, but that was fun <laughs> to do. So check that out. They're good. They're good. Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. I hope you guys have a phenomenal weekend. Happy Halloween if we don't see you at the live book club October 30th. You guys are phenomenal. Thank you so much. We're the company.